Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. This week is the Ask Me Anything episode. I will be answering questions sent in by listeners. And I also wanted to take this time to reintroduce myself to all of the new listeners out there. So I'm Bex. I was born with bladder extrophy, which is where the bladder is on the outside of the body. Mine was inside out and my pelvic bone wasn't fully formed yet. I feel that my own medical journey makes me uniquely qualified to help others share their experiences and to bring attention to topics that aren't usually broached. My hope is that being able to talk about these things in an open space can become more commonplace and less shameful for those of us who are afflicted. If you've only just begun listening to this show, go back to episode one to hear my story and the episodes following where my mom and I discuss some of the scarier moments that we've shared together. So let's jump right into the questions. question is, what's the scariest moment for you personally in your bladder extrophy experience? You know, this is a harder question than I thought it would be to answer. For me as a kid, I didn't really view anything as scary. You know, not even my big surgery at age 11 or being quarantined for the nasty kidney infection that came after. I just knew it was something that had to happen and had to be dealt with. But I think that those things became scarier once I really got old enough to understand why those things could have been scary. I think I was 15 or so when I made a comment to my mom and was like, wow, (laughs) those were big things. Like something could have gone wrong. I could have died. (laughs) How did everything work out okay? So it was more of a hindsight acknowledgement thing. I also remember, and maybe this isn't really like scared, but more like nervousness. The first time that I used the Mitrofenoff after that surgery, Um, it's a little terrifying. The first time you insert a tube into yourself like that, like I had all these thoughts of like, is this going to hurt? What if it doesn't work? And like, you just have to calm the nerves and do it. The other moment that I can think of where I was actually scared, I was a bit older, was when I had just gotten out of college and I had to go in for a cystoscopy. So, and again, for those of you who don't know what a cystoscopy is, it's basically like a colonoscopy except for the urinary tract. And I honestly felt like I was having flashbacks to all of the urodynamics tests that I had had done as a child. And I was so nervous at the time about this upcoming procedure that I asked my roommate at the time to go with me. You know, I just had this feeling it wasn't going to go well. And, you know, the wait in the procedure room was so nerve wracking and waiting for the numbing agent to take effect. It was really the anticipation that it wasn't going to work 
that was the worst part of the entire thing. And I'm really glad I had the foresight to bring my roommate with me because she was able to, and she was able to take the day off work, luckily. But she was really able to help distract me while we were waiting. And she let me hold her hand while they were attempting the procedure, letting me squeeze her hand as much as I needed to, which poor thing, I squeezed pretty hard. And I say it attempted the procedure because the exam ultimately failed and they were not able to do what they wanted to do. And apparently it was really scary to watch too, because when we left she and she was driving us home after she asked me if that's what my entire childhood was like. And I thought she was going to cry just thinking about that. But again, this is something that I was old enough to really grasp what was going on and happening and, you know, actually able to think about what could go wrong and things like that. So I don't know if there was really anything as a kid that was scary to me. Okay, the next question here is... Do, do, do a lot of times illnesses and disabilities are viewed as weaknesses to change the narrative do you think yours has given you any super strengths well well i really love this question um it really aligns with what i'm trying to do with this podcast by putting positive energy into it my super strengths let's see I find this hard. I think it's human nature to self-analyze and be hard harder on ourselves than we would be on other people. But I think that everything with my medical journey, it's taught me to be tenacious, to just keep plugging away and keep doing what I'm doing. It taught me to never give up. And honestly, that those of us who have been through something like this or had to watch someone they love go through something like this, that it makes us stronger. I feel that a lot of us are able to rise from the adversity and are better equipped for future problems. Um, The next question is, the U.S. is experiencing a scary shift on which individuals deserve, quote unquote, medical autonomy and or not, especially women and trans folks. How does stripping one group of medical rights endanger everyone's medical rights? So this question, oh man, I actually did. (laughs) I really thought about this one and like wrote out my answer and did a little bit of research here and there. Not a ton, but just little bits um, just to back up what I was thinking. I didn't think I'd get any questions that actually made me (laughs) think this hard, but there's a few different ways to look at this one. I think that if we say it's okay to Denny one group of people, medical rights, then what's stopping us from doing that to more and more groups as time goes on? I mean, ultimately, shouldn't we be trying to help people, not discourage them from trying to get help? And Shouldn't we be trying to make this world a better place for everyone, not just for one set group of people? I mean, whatever happened to the Hippocratic Oath? This oath has been around for almost 2,500 years. And of course, it has changed and evolved with the times. However, its core values remain the same. All versions of the oath start with a promise to act in the best interest of the patient. How can doctors do that 
when governments keep stepping in and telling doctors who they can and cannot treat or what they can treat. Another thing is, I think ultimately people will find a way to make it happen. So if you take away medical rights in one place, but it's available elsewhere, then people will go to where they can get the treatment and hopefully in a safe way. But this also causes a problem. The place that is able to give that treatment, this place is a strain on them because now they have this huge influx of patients. And when you have too many patients, not enough time, not enough resources to help everyone, then some patients will slip through the cracks and maybe even an exorbitant amount of patients, maybe not just a handful. You know, not everyone will get the quality of treatment that they deserve, and we all deserve quality treatment. So that's a huge shame. And I, I can't even imagine being a doctor who comes home at the end of a shift and is disappointed in themselves because they physically couldn't help all of the people that they wanted to. So another side of that is that instance where there's an influx of people in one location, that's only if people can make it there. What about the people who were denied medical treatment in the first place, but are not able to travel or afford the care that they need? You know, those people will suffer because they can't get help. And, and so this is where I kind of read a few things. I read recently in a report from the, and I'm totally going to brutalize this word. I don't know how to pronounce it perfectly, um, from the Guttmacher Institute, that at least 22,800 women die every year from unsafe abortions. And unsafe in this case really just means that it's either a self-induced method or it's an illegal procedure performed by non-physicians. And another set of data shows that there were actually more deaths during childbirth where abortion access is limited. So by refusing to have abortion available, they're actually putting their current live patient in front of them in more danger than they need to be, which that right there goes against the Hippocratic Oath. That's just what I think. And another study actually at the University of Colorado Boulder shows that there would be an increase of 21% of pregnancy-related deaths overall if abortion was banned throughout the U.S. 21%. That's mind-blowingly huge. So I believe everyone deserves health care. No one should be turned away. Our bodies and medical histories should have no relevance on whether or not we, quote unquote, deserve it. Healthcare should be flexible. It should support all bodies and humans. Doesn't matter where they come from or what they look like. Blanket statement. Everyone should get healthcare. But that's just what I think. Okay, moving right along. What it's been like... Oh, what has it been look like to put your whole medical history and experience out there? Well, in one word, terrifying. Um, getting started was one of the hardest things I've ever done. 
I think I putted the idea around in my mind for maybe a month or so before I even pitched the idea to my partner, Aaron, or to my best friend for their opinions. Once the idea of the podcast was out in the air and out into the space, it it wasn't something that I could just take back and forget about. You know, once I thought of it, I almost felt the sense of duty that it needed to be done. It was something that should be a thing. Writing and researching for the first episode was terrifying. You know, I had a lot of self-doubt and constantly thinking to myself, who who cares? Who's going to listen to this? But that also kind of turned into, well, if no one is going to listen, then what's the harm of putting my story out there? You know, why am I scared if no one is going to listen to it? So the first month or two of recording and posting episodes, I definitely had butterflies in my stomach the whole time. I was so nervous, but honestly, the response I have gotten has been wonderful, much better than I expected, actually. And every time I start to doubt myself and every time I I start to think, okay, that's it. Maybe we're done. I get a message from someone, you know, someone who apparently needed to hear what I had to say, and that makes it all worthwhile. So what is your personal favorite episode so far? You know, that's really hard to answer. There's been a lot of good episodes. I really loved talking to Christine. That was the first time I spoke with another person with bladder extrophy and got to swap stories. I also loved getting a variety of illnesses on the show. So talking to Anya, who has Vactoral, and to Jill, who has type 1 diabetes, was really eye-opening. And I've also enjoyed being able to talk about working through body image issues and medical trauma. Um, Those are such common issues that no one really talks about. So I thought that was kind of a really, I learned a lot you know, talking to Haley about those things. What's your biggest peeve when it comes to interacting with people who aren't treating your health with respect or or tact? You know, my biggest pet peeve, and this might really be my own reaction that I need to think about and try to tame, but... It's when people can be disrespectful and I feel ashamed. I feel at fault. I feel like I did something wrong. And that's on me to not feel that way. But I think it's also important for others to know that what you say can make people feel that way. And whether it's intentional or not. You know, not everyone is going to be intuitive and say the right things, you know, so I have to learn to adapt and understand that maybe they didn't mean it in that way, first of all. And secondly, that it's not my fault. I didn't do something wrong just by being here and being me. Do you worry about your future? And if so, how often? And how do you cope with how it might affect your future? Yes, I think about... I worry about my future all the freaking time. 
I worry that I'll get sick. I worry that I'm not enjoying life as much as I could be when I am healthy. Like I'm not making the most of my life when I, when I have the opportunity to. And um, let's see, how do I cope? I try to be as proactive about my health as possible. I think I've mentioned before that I was diagnosed with kidney disease stage one about six-ish years ago. And I had a scare earlier this year where my numbers showed I might've progressed to stage three, but after retesting my numbers, they were kind of back normal, but that really scared me. And so I, I think it was the kick I needed to start taking better care of myself. And I was already working with a nutritionist, but it became my main focus of my meetings, you know, learning what kinds of foods are hard on the kidneys, what kinds are good for them, and incorporating that knowledge into my daily dietary routines. So it's things like that. I cope by trying to be proactive and trying to enjoy life while I can. How do I cope in general? Well, I don't really think of it as coping. I mean, you know, I growing up with it and with lots of doctor's appointments and surgeries and medications and such, that was my normal. You know, I don't think I ever really viewed it as something that I needed to cope with. What would you want any child who's experiencing bladder extrophy to know? Well, there are... A million different ways to handle it with a million different outcomes. You know, there isn't necessarily a wrong way to handle it. Just there's different ways. There are people out there who are going through or have gone through something similar. And if you need or want the emotional support, we're out there. You just have to go find them. And I know that's, that sounds like a hard task, but we're, we're all, we're doing the work already. You know, there's the Zoom bladder extrophy support group once a month. Obviously there's the podcast that you're listening to right now. I mean, we're actively out there trying to create a community for each other. How about a kid in general who's experiencing a medical condition or hidden disability? What would I want them to know? Okay. Kids can be really compassionate. You know, it may seem easier to not tell people what's going on in your life and, you know, keeping everything close to home, but it's, it's also really healthy to talk about it and emotionally digest what's happening. You know, even if it's scary, if you find your tribe, a group of people that just really get you and truly care about your well-being, I say, don't hold back, tell them what's going on. You know, maybe I was just lucky, but I always had positive reactions from my friends. And, you know, within the first couple of sentences, if they don't seem to get it, then you don't have to tell them everything. You know, you don't have to finish the conversation, but having a group of people to support you, you know, a group of friends to come over for a movie marathon after a surgery does a world of good for you and your morale. I mean, we'll... We'll never be able to talk about our medical experiences so openly without hesitation if we never take those first baby steps. You know, there's something incredibly freeing about being able to be 100% you without holding anything back and still being accepted by your peers. So for anyone listening to this, I accept you 
And I encourage you to be uniquely you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Body Talk with Bex. I hope you enjoyed it and enjoyed learning about what I hope to represent. Please leave me a review and hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast at. If you have any more questions for me, please feel free to send them my way. I will continue to stockpile questions until I have enough for another one of these Ask Me Anything episodes. If you want to further support this podcast, please join me on Patreon. I will be announcing details for some of the new Patreon tier features that will be coming out soon. Lastly, if you would like to share your story or know someone who would like to, I can be contacted through my website, www.bodytalkwithbex.com or on social media. Thank you so much for listening.